continue looking um, at, at the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. We're walking through with Jesus. We see him constantly in forward momentum. He is always moving forward and at a quick pace. And Mark loves to use the word immediately. It's one of his favorite words to use in his gospel. And that's exactly what we see Jesus doing here. So how many of you have ever been in one of those crowded places that you could barely move? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't do well with crowded areas. Um, I, I don't like to park next to someone. Um, if I look at, I, I won't go, I, I can't say I won't, but I do not like going to the main Walmart up here on 610 because there's too many people. Like, for me, that's just no fun. Uh, I, I like having the marketplace. It's out by my house. I can go in. I can get my groceries. Um, I'll even go later in the day or in the middle of the morning because no one's in there. And, and then I don't have to worry about it. But I, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I don't like being crowded and, and right next to people. Well, this morning, we're going to look at, at Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and, and we're going to see Jesus doing uh, this amazing healing of this paralytic man. And all of the crowds were just gathered around him. So let's set the scene of what was happening in, in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. This is what we read there. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days. Now, as we talked about last week, Jesus had prayed. And after Jesus had prayed to the Lord and he had been up quite a while praying, the disciples, they come and find Jesus and they say, hey, you need to go back. The crowds, they saw what you've been doing and they want to keep hearing from you. And Jesus says, hey, let's not stay here. Let's go somewhere else. And so Jesus, for about a month, is away preaching in all of the little towns and all of the little villages around the area. And so now he has worked his way and he's come back to Capernaum. So we read, and when he had returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Now, where was his home? It's probably that this location was Peter and Andrew's house. It's where Peter's mother-in-law had been healed in Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 31. And we keep reading, And many were gathered together so that there was no room, not even at the door. So what we have seen here is Jesus is a magnet for people. I mean, people so far have just been drawn to him. That there were so many people that were crowded into this one little house that, that there was no room for anyone to stand there or even by the door. Like it they were the wording that is used there is that they were crowded inside and there was a stirring that was actually happening outside. And he was preaching the word to them. Now, the word that's used here for preaching was Jesus was having a conversation with them. It's the word uh, that, that is used here of lovely sounds. It reminds me of uh, the old hymn in the garden. He speaks, and the sound of his voice is so sweet, the birds hush their singing. You know, it's important for us not just to preach at people, but that we have a conversation with them as well. We don't just have to preach at them, but it's how we use our words, that we have a dialogue 
with them as well. So we have this setting. He has come home back to Capernaum from his um, ministry of going out into the other villages. He's at this house, probably Peter and Andrew's house. And now what happens? We have a sickness. Look at verses three through four. And they came bringing, literally carrying to him a paralytic. Now this word describes one who has lost control of his body. It could have been from a stroke. It could have been from a disease. It could have been that he was like this from from birth. So, and they came bringing a paralytic carried by four men. Each one of them were holding a corner of the mat. In verse 4, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, could you imagine these four friends? They're like, hey, we just need to get We just need to get our friend to Jesus. We heard about the healings. All we have to do is get him to Jesus. And then Jesus will do the rest. And they get there, and there's no way. There's absolutely no way that they can get in to be with Jesus. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. (laughs) Now, It wasn't like our roofs today where they have a peak and they would have had to cut through. It would have been a a flat roof and and there would have been a stairway on the outside because what the people would do is they would go up and they would just sit on the roof and instead of having a patio on the back or the front of your house, you would just go up and you would sit on on top uh, of the house. They removed the roof above him and when they had, and when they had made an opening, I don't know about you, but could you imagine being in the house? <laughs> you're, you're in the house. You're one of the people that was actually able to get into the house. And once you're able to get in the house, all of a sudden you're distracted because there's stuff, what, there's stuff falling on my head. What is that? And, and you're trying to figure out what it is. And, and it's actually the roof being opened up right in, in front of you. And they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. I couldn't imagine what would have happened in that moment. They're hearing Jesus, they're paying attention, and, and they're just kept capture, they're captivated by every single word that Jesus is going to give. And then all of a sudden, a hole was cut, and now this guy is being lowered before their eyes right in front of Jesus. Now, talk about a distraction. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm easily distracted. Like, if, you're, if you've been around me for very long, like any little sound, like someone talking in the back of the sanctuary, it's going to throw me for a loop. Anyone that is, is, is talking over here, I, I'm going to hear it. I mean, I'm easily distracted. I hear Ohio State and I'm like, what? You know, I, I could be in the middle of a conversation and, and I hear certain words and, and I, I'm off on a tangent somewhere else following all of the squirrels. You know, here, a hole is cut in the roof. And, and, and they're, be, they're lowering down their friend. So we have the paralytic being lowered in, and then we have a startling statement from Jesus in verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, I don't know about you, but if I'm in the middle of a conversation, I, I don't want to be interrupted. 
Last week, um, most of you that watched, you weren't able to see that there was a, an, an issue that happened. During our recording, um, we ran out of space on the iPad, and while we were recording, we had to, you know, Jamie comes in the back and she's like, hey, um, we need to stop. And I'm like, what, what, what's going on? Um, and, and we had run out of room on the iPad, and, and so she, she was worried, she was nervous that she was afraid to, to come in and interrupt us of what we were doing in here it was just me and and the camera so it was okay but you know a lot of people they don't like to be interrupted Jesus he doesn't mind the distraction at all there was no distraction actually and I love the fact that he says and when Jesus saw their faith this is the first appearance of the word faith in Mark's gospel and notice that Jesus doesn't see the faith of the paralytic he notices their faith. He noticed the faith of these four friends. Now we're going to come back to this in, in a few minutes. We're going to circle back around to it. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, wow. I mean, this, this is an endearing term. It was similar to saying, My child. It reminds me of Matthew chapter two or verse uh, Matthew chapter nine verse two, uh, and it includes the phrase "Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven." And that's exactly what we read here: "Son, your sins are forgiven." Now, to forgive sins means uh, to send them away, to cancel a debt. Now, this is quite startling because it was assumed that this man's main need was what? It wasn't to have a sense forgiven. It was to be healed from his paralysis. But, but that was his felt need. His foremost need was to have his sins forgiven. That's something that I want to make sure that we all understand because we're all in need of something being fixed in our lives. You know, Paul carried around something with him all of his life. He called it the thorn in the flesh, and we're not really for sure what that was. And all of us deal with something different. Um, I, I don't know about yours. Maybe it's knee pain. Uh, maybe it's bad eyesight. For me, I have a bad back, um, and, and it hurts me constantly. And, and I'll tell you, I pray a lot. Lord, please take this pain away from me. And he allows it to continue, but first and foremost, the thing that I need is my sins forgiven. First and foremost, we all need our sins to be forgiven. Because having our sins forgiven, that's what lasts forever. You know, if he, he fixed my back, I mean, that would be awesome. And that would be great for the next, oh, I don't know, six or seven months before I hurt something else. But to have my sins forgiven, that lasts forever. So we have the, the, the startling statement of Jesus saying that his sins are forgiven. But then we have the skepticism of the teachers around the room. The main job of these teachers or scribes that we hear was to copy the scriptures and to be the guardians of God's word. That's probably why they were in the house in the first place. They were checking to make sure that what Jesus was saying actually lined up with the scriptures that they knew. Look, look at verses 6 and 7. Now some scribes were sitting there 
everyone else, it was standing room only. Yet, these scribes were sitting. It tells us right there that there were some followers of Jesus, but there were already at this moment, there were some foes of Jesus in the room. Now, some scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. They didn't say it out loud. They, they kind of knew better than to say it out loud, but it was inside of their heart. Why does this man speak like that? By the way, as we look through this, in each chapter, we're actually going to find and we're going to see that this is provoked by this type of a question. There's going to be questions by the Pharisees, by the Sadducees, by the scribes, the teachers of the life. There's always going to be this happening wherever we turn. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Now this charge is repeated again in Mark chapter 14, verses 61 through 64, as the rationale for Jesus eventually being put to, to death. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Actually, the teachers were technically correct. Only God can forgive sins. I mean, when we go to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, it reads, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Daniel chapter 9, verse 9 says, To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. Listen, if you need your sins forgiven, it needs to be from Jesus. No one else. If, if you need your sins forgiven and you need to talk to someone, you can talk to me, you can talk to one of the staff, you can talk to one of the elders, but here's the thing, we can't forgive your sins because we need our own sins forgiven. We all have direct access directly to Jesus Christ and that's what we always have to remember. So these Pharisees, they kind of lay some skepticism out there, and we have a scolding that comes from Jesus. And I just love what happens next. Jesus not only forgives sins, he reads minds, which is something else that only God can do. Look at verse 8 immediately. As I said, Mark loves this word. As you read through the gospel of Mark, it's the word that Mark loves to use. Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, can you imagine for just a second what those scribes must have been thinking? Did you say it out loud? I didn't say it out loud. Did you say it out loud? I didn't say it out loud. How, 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 did, how did he know this? He was able to perceive in his spirit what they were thinking. Look at, look at verse nine. He asked a question that no doubt confounded them. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? Now, at first glance, it's easier to say to someone that your sins are forgiven, right? I mean, I can say to you, your sins are forgiven. You can look at someone that's sitting around you. You can look at, at, at someone and say, hey, your sins are forgiven. It was easy for Jesus to say that. Why? Because we really can't just verify that. So, in essence, it would be easier for someone to actually say that. But notice the word say. It's easy to say that sins are forgiven 
and to say someone can walk. But actually, both are difficult and impossible for man to do. It is impossible for man to heal the paralytic. It's impossible for man to forgive sins. Look at verses 10 and 11. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Now this shows us again that our first priority is to live by faith. To live by faith at home and with our family. To show to our family first and foremost that God is alive. That he lives And so we have to start first at at home, but then it needs to go outside. You see, by doing the visible, Jesus is proving that he can do the invisible. He can heal externally and internally. He healed the physical to show that he can heal the spiritual. Now we come to the sensational cure. I, I want you just to picture this scene with me. The, the teachers have not said anything out loud, and no one has spoken except for Jesus, but this is the encounter that ends powerfully in verse 12. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. I, I kind of picture him as he stands up and he grabs the mat that he's been carried in on, that he kind of steps over the, those scribes, those teachers of the law that were sitting there, and he kind of just steps right over top of them, and he kind of weaves his way in and out. And, and, and can you imagine looking down the hole as, as Jesus has said, pick up your mat and, and go and walk, your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine those four friends as they look down and they see Jesus doing this, and, and they're fist bumping one another because we're in the middle of a pandemic and you can't high five or anything like that. But you know, they're, they're like wanting to chest bump, like they're excited about everything that is happening. They were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Now here's the thing, Jesus has already done some pretty amazing miracles already to this point. But this one's pretty amazing. A paralytic that they probably all would have known. They would have seen him. They are astonished because his sins are forgiven and his feet are now strong. There's another instance of something like this happening. We go to uh, Acts chapter 3 verse 8. It, It makes me think of what took place there when a paralyzed man was healed And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, here's the interesting part that I want to make sure that we don't miss, okay? Because when we read this in Acts chapter 3, when we go back to, to, and we're reading here in Mark chapter 2, this man who people would have known in Acts chapter 3, people knew the man that, that Peter and John had healed that was there. You don't, if you've been paralyzed, you don't automatically just get up and start walking. And you for sure don't get up and, and start leaping and, and jumping for joy. Like, like that just doesn't happen. You're weak and, and, and you're wobbly and you've got to build back up to that. But here's the thing that I want to make sure, please, please don't miss this. When Jesus heals, he heals completely and immediately. 
fully. That's how Jesus heals. And we can never, we can never miss that. Please, please don't miss that. Now, when I sent out my email, I, I said that we were going to talk about the healing that actually took place. I want to spend some time right now really focusing in and, and talking for the next several minutes of how we need to be as friends. How we need to be to those that are around us. What are the takeaways that, that we can have when we're looking through all of this. I want you to go back to verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. When we read that there, did you notice it? Again, whose, whose faith was it? that Jesus really noticed. It wasn't just the man that was lying on the mat. Yes, he had to have faith. He had to say to his friends, hey, if you want to take me, I'll go, but there's no way that we're probably going to get in front of Jesus. He couldn't get there on his own. The faith that Jesus noticed was that of those four friends. That's what we have to focus in on. Sometimes Jesus acts in a person's life because of another person's faith. And we need to make sure that we hold on to that. It would do us well to really pay attention to that. To model our behavior after these four friends and what they demonstrated. As we go over them, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I exhibit these qualities in my life towards someone who needs to come to know Jesus Christ? Do I have this kind of visible faith that can help bring a lost person to the feet of Jesus? Am I the type of person, I mean, it's easy to say, hey, I'll pray for you. It's another thing right then in that moment to actually pray for that person. It's one thing, and James actually talks about this, we need to have faith in deeds working together because we can have plenty of faith, and if we don't follow through with it, it's useless. We can do plenty of good things, but if we're not following it up with faith, then it's going to be useless. It's both of them working together together. So let's just quickly walk through these. The first one is caring. We're not told how they knew the paralytic, but obviously they cared about his condition. They were probably close friends of his. I want you to ask God to slow you down so that you can see the needs of those that are around you. Who is close to you right now that you need to maybe do a little bit more caring for. And then ask God to help you to see people like he does. If you realize that you struggle with caring for those who live differently than you do, simple one-sentence prayer. God, 
break my heart with the things that breaks yours. That's how we can start to care, the way that these four friends did. Number two, be courageous. Are are, are we living boldly? Are are we living courageously? It, It took tremendous courage for these four guys to step out and bring their friend to Jesus because they had no guarantee that he would be healed. And we're not told for sure how far they brought their friend to get to Jesus, but it was definitely a journey for them to get there because I don't know about you, but but carrying heavy weight, and we don't know how much this, this man weighed, but it would have been hard. And it was courageous for them to be willing to do so because they didn't know. They could have had to trudge all the way there, and then if they couldn't get before Jesus, if Jesus chose not to heal him, they could have been left with all of this all over again. You know, faith often involves risk. Are we willing to be just a little bit risky? Determined to speak up for the Savior, even when it's difficult. Live courageously. I want you to memorize the words that are given in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Number three, be creative. Be creative. Again, think about it. The friends get there and they can't get in. Well, we're not going to get him before Jesus. Well, what are we going to do? And one of them brings up the crazy idea. Hey, let's cut a hole in the roof of the house. What? Are you crazy? We can't do that. This isn't our house. Well, again, they had to be courageous by willing to do it because we don't know. Peter may have, you know, got his harpoon out and went after him. We're really not for sure. But, you know, they were courageous, but they were also creative. They said, hey, you know what? Let's go find a way to get, they, they, they weren't boxed in. They said, we're gonna get in front of Jesus no matter what it takes. We're going to encounter obstacles. There will be obstacles in front of us all the time. It's up to us to find a way around them. It's not gonna be easy, so we have to get creative. That's what we need to do. What, what, what can we do? What is there right now? I want you to invite someone to watch with you. It, it's just a simple way. Invite them to watch us on social media. And invite them to be with you in service. Again, might be a little bit courageous as well. Go next door. There's snow that's falling, and as soon as the service is over, I want you to get out your shovel and and go to that person who's turned you in. We talked about this last week. They've turned you in several times to your HOA. You need to go to their house, get creative, and and build them a snowman in their front yard. But they might not like that and turn you in again. Just, just, Just clean off their driveway. Just make it easy. Find a way. Number four, be committed. It was no doubt difficult to transport this man through the hilly, rocky area around Capernaum. 
it wasn't nice and easy with sidewalks and nice and easy roads like what we have. It was difficult. It, it was hard. These four friends, they, they were committed. Will we be committed as well? Will we find our way through the crowd? Will we be like these four friends? So let me ask you a simple question. It's actually kind of hard to answer. Have you given up on someone recently? Travis, I, I was committed, but now I'm not really for sure. I've asked them several times to come to church with me, and they continue to say no. And I share, my, I share the church feed, but I don't think that they're watching. I've asked them to be a part of our shoebox uh, uh, collection. I've asked them to help in, in other ways, and, and they just keep rejecting me. And you know what? I, I think they're just beyond being saved. He's too addicted. She's too far gone. I, I, I want you to hang in there. You're watching this because someone didn't give up on you. Someone was committed to you. Be that committed friend. Number five, just have some conviction. These guys had faith that Jesus could do something for their friend if they could just get him close enough. In their mind, nothing was too difficult Nothing was going to phase them. Nothing was going to stop them. They knew they had to get their friend before Jesus. They were moved to action by deep conviction. Be convicted. Are, are you convinced that those without Christ are lost in their sins and they'll never find their way? Pray right now that God will take that spirit away from you, those thoughts away, that, that you will be convicted to your friends, that you'll never give up on them. Listen, I know it's hard. It's difficult. But please, don't give up. It also takes cooperation. There were four guys. There were four friends that got this man, this paralytic, before Jesus. And it took the cooperation of all four of them working side by side. And that's something that we need to make sure that we remember. One of them wasn't going to just throw him over his shoulder and, and get him there. Two wouldn't work either. Three might be better, but if you play poker, four of a kind beats them all. And that's exactly what we need here. Travis, you can't talk about poker in church. It's okay. It works for this analogy. <laughs> Number seven, it's going to be costly. It will be costly. It will almost always cost you something to bring someone to saving grace in Jesus Christ. Be willing to pay the price. If it were easy, everyone would be doing it. Every church would be full. Sadly, because of, of COVID and other things, we see churches closing their doors at a faster rate than ever before that will never open them again. That's sad to be able to know. 
It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you energy. But the cost is so worth it to see your friends in heaven with you. That's what I want you to remember. So I'm going to end the way that we end every one of our services. I'm, I'm going to ask you, not just for one friend this morning, though. And I want you to do something a little bit different. If you have post-it notes, they work the best. If you don't, a regular piece of paper and some scotch tape will work perfect. I want you to come up with three names. I want you to come up with three names right now that you're going to commit to praying for daily that they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And when you write them down, you can put them on your mirror. Uh, you, you can put them on your visor. That, that's one of the things that I absolutely love to do. I, I, I take sticky notes, posted notes, and I put them on my visor. And every time I pull it down, I see them right in front of my face. I can just stop and I can pray for them. And so that's what I want you to do. I want you to write down three names, simple, easy, but it's going to take conviction. It's, you're going to have to be creative the way that you get the word to them. It's going to take cooperation. You're not going to be able to do it on your own, and it may be costly, but be willing to do so. Before we go into communion, I want to remind you that if you need prayer in your life, that the staff is always here for you. Your elders always here for you. We, we would love to listen, to talk with you if that's what's needed. We're here for you. If you need to give your life over to Jesus Christ for the very first time, you can do that today. And I encourage you to, to make that commitment to Jesus. You can put it in the comments. You, you, can, you can email me. Text me, call me. I'd love to talk with you about giving your life over to Jesus. If you want to make Stafford County Christian Church your home church and say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to serve right here. I'm going to be involved and I want to become a member. I want you to know that you can make that decision as well. We're going to take communion. I'm going to pray for us in just a second. And I want you to get your emblems. And if you haven't gotten your emblems yet, for whatever you want to use, you can use bread, you can use whatever juice you may have. It's not about the emblems. It's about what they represent. And I just want you to, to stop and think about this past week and what's been going on. And I want you just to take all of your burdens. I want you to lay them before the foot of the cross you to give it all to Jesus. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we thank you that we can come before you, that we can worship you no matter where we're at. Father, I, I'm so thankful that we have the different outlets, no matter um, whether it's raining, whether it's snowing, whether it's COVID, no matter what it is that may try to stop us from coming into your house, Lord, we know that we will find a way to meet, that we will find a way to share your word. 
that we will be in Scripture. And Father, as we prepare for communion, that we will just take all of our burdens, all of our cares, the sins of this past week, and we will just lay them before the foot of the cross. Lord, we take this bread, we take this juice, remembering the ultimate sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.